Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Amber O'Neill Johnston back to the podcast to talk about homeschooling and cultural literacy, understanding diversity. Amber is an author, speaker, and world schooling mama who blends life-giving books and culturally rich environment for her four children and others seeking to do the same. She recommends we offer children opportunities to see themselves and others reflected in their lessons, especially throughout their books, and she's known for sharing literary mirrors and windows on heritagemom.com and at Heritage Mom blog on Instagram. Amber is the author of A Place to Belong, a guide for families of all backgrounds to raise kids to celebrate their heritage, community, and world. And Amber is a favorite speaker at Teach Them Diligently since she's joined us over the last couple of years. So Amber, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. I am thrilled that you're here. It's always a joy to to talk to you. I was telling you a little bit before, I have learned so much. I've, I've actually learned what I didn't know just by engaging with you. And I'm so very grateful for the way that you, that the Lord has given you a message and the way that you actually communicate that message. It's incredibly helpful. And I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to share and that you've been so open and receptive to it. And it's it's been great. Well, I um like like I said, I have learned an awful lot. For those who may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how God has led you to being this world schooling mama who talks about cultural diversity and all the things that he allows you to do now? How'd you get there? Oh, goodness. Well, I have four kids. They um, We're about to enter birthday season, so they will be 14, 12, <laughs> and 8 this year. And um, we've been homeschooling from the beginning. And when we first started homeschooling, I was passionate about it, but it felt a bit isolating for us. And in our local environment, we're African-American and we were the only, you know, black family in most of the homeschooling spaces. And then when we would come home to do our lessons, we would spend, you know, all day, every day learning about wonderful, beautiful things and people, but none of them look like my children. And they would ask me questions like, what is going on when we leave the house? We don't see anybody else. When we're in the house, we don't talk about anybody else. And at at first, I just really ignored that because I was like, you know, we're all the same on the inside. We're all made in the image of God. You don't need to worry about that. But the kids really pushed back in the way that only kids can do. And I came to see that kind of ignoring them and ignoring who we were and the things that legitimately do make us different than um, a lot of other people that they knew it it wasn't celebrating the way that God made us. It was kind of hushing them up about it. And so my, my words were saying, you are beautifully and wonderfully made, but my actions were showing them, but you know, I'm not going to actually address it or talk to you about it. It's kind of a secret, you know? And I, I, as I realized that wasn't a healthy thing, I started 
being very open with them and having lots of conversations um, about the ways that people are similar and the ways that people are different and what our responsibility as believers are to engage in community and kinship with other people. And out of that was born this desire to say, you know, we live in the United States. We have our own dynamics here based on our shared history. But America is not the only place in the world. And there are other places in the world with tons of beautiful people. And so we started traveling globally. And the messages that we were sharing there were like, look at all of the people that the Lord has created and loves. And they're, look how similar they are. Look how different they are. All the dynamics in the United States don't necessarily carry over everywhere. And at the same time, people are sinful and the world has fallen and there's nothing special about our issues that we have in our country because those types of issues exist around the world. And what is our role in trying to do what we can? So that's kind of where the travel came in and it all got intermixed. And and then I just decided to tell everybody about it because I felt like things were going so well. And I wanted to celebrate with other friends in the homeschooling community and say, hey, you know, I have this idea, you know, like maybe we could do this not just in my house, but maybe other families are interested in kind of living this way. And what would it look like for the Christian homeschool community to lead the way? in showing people a different way of of interacting with one another. It's been a real blessing to watch your journey. It's been great to see how God has opened doors for you. It has been enlightening to hear what you have to say and learn from your experience. One of the things, and we were talking about this beforehand as well, one of the things that really grieves me, and I, I bring this up when I'm talking about parenting or marriage because there are so many issues impacted by this, but as believers, who are called to walk worthy and are called to be imitators of Christ, we are so quick to allow the world to co-opt our discussion about anything from parenting and our the importance of our role. You know, we've, we've allowed the world to really ding at that, to the role of sex in marriage and how beautiful that is. And we've allowed the world to make it dirty. And But the other side of that, we've also allowed the world to make race discussions and culturally diverse discussions that should be celebrated and we can learn from one another, we've allowed the world to make that something that is friction causing, something that just makes us mad. And we react to what the world says rather than to the person, the human that we're discussing that with. So how would you, how have you seen that play out? How do you, how do you teach your children how to overcome that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, how I've seen it play out specifically in, in our communities, it's been where over time, but a kind of quick time, the some of the world's terms, and I, I'll use the example of like woke or wokeness, have, mm-hmm. have been weighed down with a lot of different meanings for different people. And it, it's just, it's politicized and it's kind of a difficult thing and something that is hard to wade through. And unfortunately, lately, I've also seen um, anything associated with being Black being synonymous with being woke and therefore being bad in the Christian homeschool world. And I find that really hurtful because I am a Christian homeschool mom and I would like to be in sisterhood with the other moms and my family 
you know, what I teach my kid is that these are our sisters and brothers in Christ. And so I kind of expect that when I'm teaching them these things, that when we go out, that that's the reception that they receive. But sometimes it's not. So I walk a difficult, you know, path. I feel like sometimes I'm on a bit of a tightrope here, but my message has always been the same. And I try very hard not to waver from it. And that's the idea that I would like to add more Black voices to the homeschooling, you know, literary canon. And um, because I am a Charlotte Mason mom, even beyond just books, it's the art and the music that we play with our children and listen to and learn and sing and and the pictures we gaze upon and the poetry that we recite and, you know, the cultural studies that we do. Yes, about people in other countries, but just about our neighbors here too. And so I think that that's a beautiful message. I feel like it it's not unbiblical in any way, but sometimes it's hard for people today to hear that message from me. And because of everything that's happening, you know, on the nightly news or out in the world. So that's kind of where where I am. And just to be honest with you, and, and that's the space I'm trying to navigate. In terms of how I speak to my children about it, I tell them, you know, we have a standard that we're called to live by, and it doesn't waver. It never changes. And you can't control how people react to you, but you can't change your standard of how you live your life, the things that you say, even the things you think. You're not permitted to do that just because somebody was ugly to you. And it would be easy, right? Because somebody hurt me, I want to say something hurtful back. Or somebody hurt me and somebody who looks like them is now trying to talk to me. So I'm going to lash out on that person. But we're just not allowed, you know? The Holy Word tells us exactly what we're to do. And that has always been and will always be what is supposed to guide us. And it's so hard. And I tell my kids how hard it is. I'm like, that hurt, right? You want to get back at them, right? And I'm like, and you can't. You know, so I think that those kind of discussions just come up a lot. And at the same time, I don't just sit there and say, oh, well, just be a punching bag. Just take it. Right. But like, what can we do as a family to change things in a way that doesn't go outside the bounds of our Christian faith? Oh, absolutely. And it's important to note that diversity does not come down just to the color of our skin. We, you see, there are a lot of, of lines that divide us. I mean, I, you know, I, I live in South Carolina. You know, those Yankees are really different than us. And we, all of you that are from the North, I'm just playing around. But, but we do, there are things that cause friction as we're engaging with other people. Even if we look exactly the same, the principle remains that in humility, we should learn more about them so that we can love them better. Whether they are, you know, from from Europe, from another part of our country, whether they look like us, not red, yellow, black and white, we are called to love each other because we are all created in the image of God and are created to serve a living, wonderful, good God. So I wanted to ask you a few things about your book. It's a place to belong. It is such a a helpful book. Again, it's an eye opening book and it's it comes from a heart I, I I see as a heart of humility. It's it's one that is truly shining a light on some things and helping us frame our thinking biblically. But in your book, you say that diversity without purpose is hard to sustain. Tell us a little bit more about that. Work that out for us. And, and what do you see is at the core purpose of diversity? 
Hold that thought. We will be right back after a short break. Yeah, I I said that because it's such a buzzword now, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, and people have different reactions to these things. And it's on the news and there's businesses and then people are like, no, we don't need that. And people are like, yes, we don't need that. And to me, I feel like that's a worldly discussion. And there are a number of different reasons why people may or may not want to pursue those paths. And like, we could get into that, but it's not really where I like to swim. For me, I'm like, those are new buzzwords. What I'm talking about is an ancient concept, right? Like this is, <laughs> has nothing to do with what's happening in our nation or with our politics or anything like that. In my opinion, the purpose of diversity is bringing people together. And it's not to divide. It's not to be divisive. It's to include everyone to say, look, you are valued. You are are, you are created on purpose and you're beautiful and I want to know your story and I want to know the story of other people like you and I want our stories to swirl around together, to dance together. And I think that when that's the sole, you know, your number one focus is I want to have a seat at the table and I want other voices, you know, to come into our home through our lessons and our studies and our travels. And we also want to share our voices and be part of the symphony. And in my mind, the end result is to love one another better and to create that true, in my book, I use the word kinship, you know, to create that familial brotherhood and sisterhood that we're called to. And I think that other people are working for diversity, toward diversity for other reasons. And that may or may not be okay. I don't know. Some of them seem like good reasons. Some of them don't, but they're not necessarily biblical reasons. And it's hard to stay the course and remain intentional, at least for me, when I don't have, you know, a something tied to my faith that really helps me get through those tough times. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you noted that this is a centuries old concept. We see this same conversation addressed throughout the New Testament. Yeah. The, the people groups are different, but it's still overcoming these differences, these lines and these divisions that were so deeply entrenched that the new believers, the young church was struggling with how to deal with. And The unfortunate thing is now 2,100 years later or so, we're still struggling with how to deal with that. And so we need to to really dive into what scripture says and learn how to love one another well. And that will, I think that that could could change so much within our communities, our churches, and then, you know, the nation at large based on the impact of, of all of our families really changing our view on that. No, I completely agree. And, you know, right now it's funny because there's so many articles and media outlets reaching out to talk about this big growth in homeschooling among black and brown families. And they keep wanting to interview me and talk to me about it. And and it's fine. I, I love it. It's it's important. They're talking about coming out of COVID. But one thing I tell every single reporter is that we were already here. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't as noticeable. And of course, yes, there has been a surge, but we, many of us have been here and those even before me for decades, we have been here. And I think that it, it kind of illuminates the point that in some ways there have been two homeschool worlds. 
there's kind of been a white homeschool world and kind of been a black homeschool world. There's a big black homeschool world and we all see each other and we all know about each other, but I'm not sure that we were visible to the outside world. And I would love for those worlds to merge and come together and not to feel like like homeschooling world shouldn't be a segregated space. And it really is now. There's sure there's some overlap, but I think that there has to be like a level of intention. And part of that is making sure that all of the children, we're all here serving children, that all of our children feel that they have a sense of belonging in different spaces. And even when they sit down to do their lessons, that someone sees them and understands that they are Um, that they're here and that they're a part of the family, not just kind of like an add-on or an afterthought. So I think for me, when I speak with mothers, I tend to to speak more through the heart of, of my children, like about our collective children. And I find that people are much more receptive to that because every mother understands what it would feel like for your child to feel like they don't matter or that they're not welcome. And when they think of it in that way, they're like, oh, I don't want your kids to feel that way. I'm like, I know, you know, like, and these <laughs> are the things that will help me, you know, like, help me help you, like, help us. And it becomes much more tangible and that we're talking about real people rather than just like buzzwords, ideas, concepts, but it really is about people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember the first time that I heard you speak, which was a couple of years ago at the Simply Charlotte Mason retreat in Georgia, I heard you talk about mirrors and windows. And it was such a a foreign concept to me, but it made so much sense. And it it kind of opened a door to a whole new way of thinking. And I'm so grateful for it. I wanted you to explain what do you mean by mirrors and windows? Because that was a point that you made that just really resonated with me and helped me see things very differently. Yeah. So the idea, and I usually associate it with books, but it applies to everything really. But literary mirrors are books in which children can see themselves and their families and their communities um, reflected and um, hopefully in positive ways, but in different ways that are familiar to them. And the value in that is saying, you know, I am somebody, people like me are recognized um, that someone took the time to write about me, that someone understands me, that my family's not the only family who has these thoughts, experiences, values, perspectives, that we're a part of the tapestry of the world. And then books as windows are books in which children have the opportunity to to really kind of visit the humanity of other people, to learn about how they see the world, how they experience things, hear their stories, and see how their families and, and their communities operate. And, you know, they also, we sometimes say mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors, where sometimes a window is so vivid and so powerful that a child feels like they stepped through into that world or they can see where they belong in connection with other people. And that's kind of like the pinnacle in a way. And the thing I really love about mirrors and windows, again, because I I talk about the whole point is bringing people together. They're not different. It's not a different set of books. Like the books that I'm suggesting my kids read are not different than the books that I'm suggesting your kids read or or someone else's kids, like separating them, like this is a black books, here are the white people books, here are the Latino books. It's not that. The idea is that our kids are all reading this beautiful literature together. They're all doing that. But 
the way that what changes a mirror into a window and vice versa is the child's perspective. And so we don't have to separate children. We don't have to create these like wildly varied book lists, although they will vary family to family in terms of what you tend to want to learn more about. Sure. But it's not race-based. And I think that it's just, I'm just promoting a beautiful book list or curricula and other items that kind of are more representative of our beautiful country. Yeah. And one of the things that was really enlightening to me was I had never thought about the fact that we learn about other people largely through what we read and what we watch and so on. So, you know, we have gotten all of this information and we know all of these characters and all of these stories. And so there's all this familiarity, but we really have a very limited window, like you noted, into the world of those who are not exactly like us. And and again, it's not just color of skin. We tend to kind of zero in on the things that we're comfortable with anyway. So there's a whole lot of differences that we miss out on and that that we should learn about. How can we love someone well if we don't know anything about them? Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I talk about that very thing in our book and in my book. And I, I think that really is this idea of getting to know people and being in relationship with them, which, you know, that's the goal. And we're like, that's where we want to be. And so I kind of look back, like, let's back up and see, like, what types of things can we do that get us closer um, to that goal. And you're right. It, it ex- extends way beyond ethnicity. I know I had a friend who they live in, she calls it the concrete jungle, you know, in a very urban area. And she said she sometimes feels uncomfortable in homeschool environments with all the homesteaders. And, right. you know, my daughter at the time was working as a farmhand milking goats in the morning. And, <laughs> you know, and she's just like, I mean, what are you doing? You know? And she said, I just feel like everyone's about frolicking in the creek and you guys are all reading Shakespeare, whatever. And she's like, that's just not our world. And like, do I belong as a homeschooler? And I'm like, you absolutely belong. Like insert your voice, like tell, tell us about what you do. How do you spend your days? What's it like? You guys take the subway everywhere. My kids would never understand that. Like talk to us about it and share your story. So I think that geography can be a, a place where People can can really long to hear stories of their, you know, of, of people similar to them and to learn another way of life. Just, I mean, the, the list goes on in, in, in terms of how people learn, um, the, how people look outside of just ethnicity, you know, other things and, and physical differences that people can have. Um, family structures, you know, we have a family in our community being raised by grandparents. And, you know, that little child loves to see stories where the grandparents are are playing a major role in the, in the family life. So I think, you know, the list goes on. My idea is just that we can kind of normalize more than what has been traditionally valued and focused on. And it's really important to say, I don't think that we should replace that. I'm looking for an expansion is what I'm really asking for, not replacement. Well, absolutely. And even as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, with through Teach Them Diligently, through the heart school idea that we try to, to put out there, everything boils down to your mission. We try to focus people in just really, really focusing on your mission. When you do that, you find so much more commonality with people than differences 
who are actually as missional as you are. You know, you and I have the same exact mission. We're going for our children's hearts. We want to raise them to love God and love people. Everything else is so small in comparison to that. So we have a super sweet fellowship, regardless of background, regardless of color, regardless of anything. And so when we really focus in on our mission and we're single-minded followers of Jesus, all of these other things should absolutely pale by comparison. Yeah. I know that the things that that divide us seem to feel like thorns. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're really small and and the things that pull us together sometimes we can lose sight of. Right. So I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that's part of, you know, I every time I speak and before I write, you know, I just ask the Lord, like, please don't let me say anything or write anything that goes against your will. You know, I mean, ultimately, that's it. I have my own amber thoughts, but I hope that that's not that my amber thoughts aren't what I say when I open my mouth and my amber thoughts aren't what I write, <laughs> but that it's the ideas that, you know, the Holy Spirit puts upon my heart. And that's why a lot of times that, I'm sure you've had this experience where like you walk up to the microphone and you speak and then you get done and you're like, whoa, like I, that was great. Thank you for all of those. <laughs> where did that come <laughs> from? <laughs> you know, if somebody was like, hey, do that again. I'm like, I can't, you know. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, he he does support, you know, I feel I feel like he supports my work in that way. And I try to remain humble and open to only sharing what would be pleasing to him. And it's not always easy. And sometimes I take the route of just remaining silent because maybe I I notice inside of me or in my mind, the things I'm thinking of are very worldly. You know, if someone Mm -hmm. has upset me or if I feel slighted or there are times where just because of everything that's happening in our country, I feel like I'm putting being black in front of loving the Lord, like being a, a believer because it's reactionary. Right. And when I stop and like, I'm like, I know when I'm just like, you know what, Amber, don't talk to anybody about the things that you're thinking today or the way that you're feeling. And I pray about it. And then when I see clarity, I, you know, I'm reminded that I am his first and everything else about me falls underneath that. And when I do that, it helps me to not, you know, snap back on social media about stuff or to not get as ugly, not to give back the ugliness that I feel like I receive. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we can react to all kinds of different things and all kinds of different labels can be put on us because everybody and their brother has a megaphone. Now they have a platform Thank you, social media. So we have to guard our thoughts and guard our minds. And like you noted, we have to be carefully that we are humbly following the Lord. And sometimes that just means being quiet and allowing the whole thing to to go on its merry way. But that's that's so important as we as we're imitators of Christ. Yeah. So and you know what what has been really helpful for me, Leslie, is thinking like when I think about what I'm going to say or how I'm going to react to someone. If my child reacted to someone in that way, how would I feel? Because we hold our kids to a very high standard. Right. You know, we're like, right. well, that person said it. You that doesn't give you the right to say that, or you can't do that. You can't write that. You can't say that. You can't treat someone that way. You can't bully people. 
And I think, you know, our, our, the standard that of behavior that we hold our children to, like we should be held to at least that, if not exemplifying something even higher, you know? And so that's really helpful. I would like to walk this path in a way that my children can see and hear and read everything that I create, produce and say, and I feel perfectly fine about it. And that that kind of been a really good litmus test because we love our babies, right? Like we want the best for them. And so um, and my mom always reminds me that I'm her baby. So <laughs> she's like, just like you want the best for your children. She's like, I want the best for you, even as you're an adult. So something else to think about. Yep, absolutely. Well, Amber, we are running out of time here, but I want you to tell everyone where they can find you, how they can connect with you, where they can get your book. You know, how can how can they go deeper with you in the days ahead? Sure. Um, I hang out a lot on my website, heritagemom.com. And there's a bunch of articles and information on there. My book is called A Place to Belong. And it can be found on, you know, any place that books are found. The website is a place to belong book.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Heritage Mom Blog. So um, I would love to hear from people. Well, again, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It's always a joy to see you and hear your heart. And I just, I pray that God continues to bless the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. And the way that you deliver it is really, really helpful. And so I'm I'm grateful for you and the work that he's given you to do. To everyone else, thank you for hanging out with us today. I am confident that this has been a great encouragement to you. You know, we talk all the time about how the Great Commission begins at home. The way that we are showing our children how to love God and love people is played out very naturally through things like we were talking about today. Are we allowing artificial things to divide us when really we should be loving one another in the Lord and displaying that for a lost and dying world to see? Are we allowing the way that the world has co-opted different issues to direct the way that we react to people? We've got to be really, really careful for that as we are modeling what a life as a believer looks like for our children, and we are giving them a strong foundation for their faith. So I hope that this has been a great help to you. I look forward to talking to you again soon. So have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you again later. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm.